Hi there, friend. My name is John Werner. I used to be a part of the largest cult in the United States. After studying the Bible, Christian history, and ministry, I set my sights on confronting the problematic nature of white evangelicalism in the United States. In 2019, I published my first book as a first step in addressing the subtle issues of this complex system. This podcast will continue that work under the same title. Welcome to The Cult of Christianity. Content warning. While the cult of Christianity often deals with tough subjects regarding religious trauma and other triggering topics, some episodes may be more explicit than others. This episode contains content that may be distressing to some listeners. This may include multiple mentions of self-harm, suicide, sexual abuse, or other intense concepts. Please only listen if you are in the headspace to do so. Take care of yourself. On today's show, someone who needs no introduction, you clicked on this as fast as you could when you saw her name, backed by popular demand, backed by my demands. I, I asked. It wasn't It wasn't mean. Lily! Yay! Welcome back. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> um, this is something I wanted to mention, actually. Uh, can I just say that one of the thing best things that come out of this podcast is our friendship? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny to like think about how like I mean we were acquaintances I would say before, but ever since the podcast, I feel like I've gotten to know you better, and now we're like semi besties. Is that a, am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, no, you're you're allowed to post me on the grid. You're allowed to call me your bestie. I think we're at that stage now. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> All right, just... cool. I didn't I didn't know. I, it's like it's one of those things where I'm like, man, like I know I know we're besties, but like if the, you know, what does that even mean? Um, well, John, the listeners don't know about your the listeners don't know about your birthday where you came up and visited for Seattle. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, we we got to meet like yeah, in person. I should say this. Yeah, <laughs> we got to meet and like spent oodles of time together and it was magical and hilarious and ridiculous just oodles just oodles of me (laughs) your chain and pushing your buttons and making you upset i had so much fun (laughs) but i would like to think that was somewhat mutual um (laughs) you you drove me nuts it was great (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's i don't know i'm just i'm very happy always to be talking to you and it's fun to do a show with you yeah i actually well i mean obviously ditto but i think it'd be kind of cool to point out that we were uh hanging out with other folks who have been on the pod chris and sierra and amelia so we actually all got to meet and hang out yeah it was like a it was like a it was like a launch party after something had launched or a reunion party before something had ended. <laughs> well, yeah, because like, well, because Chris and I hadn't seen each other since we were 12 from homeschool co-op. I should definitely point out to the audience, like, I know you basically because I lived with Chris. Like, y'all grew up together. Yeah, they might. I mean, I, I think that we've, you know, the others. Um, I, the I others. think. <laughs> me and, I, oh, I do have to explain that. Me and Lily refer to everyone who isn't me and her as the others. <laughs> but that's not. It's because we're so disturbingly similar that we've kind of started just doing this thing where, you know, we'll we'll kind of share a brain almost and be like, oh, I think this is what the others think. 
Anyway, um, I, I thought you were just going to say that it's because we're disturbing. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say that. Well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> Has it only been three minutes? Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, everyone. It's been three minutes. Three I'm minutes. really sorry. Let's watch to, that clip. Uh, let's, let's watch that clip. No, um, yeah. So the, the back history on uh, our family, I guess, at the pod is um, Chris Laux and I went to the homeschool co op that he so graciously talked about. Um, together. Um, I went there from the ages of 10 to 13. And honestly, I couldn't tell you how long uh, Chris and his sister were there. But I do remember um, having class with, classes with them. Um, Chris's mom was my very first writing teacher in sixth grade. Um, that was the same year I had a big crush on Chris. And uh, then we just, you know, went off into the abyss of uh, puberty and adulthood and became friends on Facebook. And you and I ended up talking, I think, while you guys went to school together. And the rest is history, man. The rest is history. It's history. Uh, history. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. But seriously, like, I mean, obviously, this podcast has been rewarding on emotional levels for me for different reasons but the other day when i knew you were coming on i was thinking i was like you know what's really cool is like it really was like a launching pad for like uh yours and i's friendship so that's pretty cool that is pretty cool Aw, it's pretty cool uh give us a give us an update on what you've been up to uh since last year um yeah i think the last time that i was on was with rachel and we were talking about us gays <laughs> which was lots of fun the gays the gays you know um i'm trying to think of where i was oh and then before that i was on with with uh sierra and amelia okay i'm just trying to think of like where the heck was i because time's not real um last i think august or so um july august i decided to go back to school um and that kind of came a little bit out of nowhere for me um so I am actually now, um, I'm finishing out my BA in um, health counseling and psychology, and I'm going to be uh, applying for the master's program at my school, um, probably my next spring quarter uh, next year um, for the um, HCP health counseling program. So um, that's been a little bit of a wild one journey. And I... Um, I applied to um, a few different schools and wrote a few different entrance essays, but I ended up getting into my first acceptance was from the school that I wanted to go to the most, which um, I, I'll name drop it. I don't care. It's um, Antioch University uh, here in here in good old beautiful Seattle, um, and it's it's one of the most um, liberal liberal arts schools in the country. <laughs> so. Um, that is definitely a big reason why I chose it because I am really trying to kind of um, deconstruct some of the mental health history that I personally have after growing up with the church and some of the understandings that I had about um, mental health and trusting yourself and leaning on yourself or not trusting on yourself and not leaning on yourself. Um, and so it, it was really important to me to try and um, approach mental health for other people with as mo as much of a diverse uh, outlook as possible. Um, so that's why I didn't go to a place like SPU where I could sit very comfortably with the rest of them and just kind of regurgitate stuff that I have already learned. 
that's so cool um you know i'm i'm obviously like really happy for you um i love that for you um and i think that it's uh something it's interesting that when you know a lot of people who would go to study would immediately talk about career like i want to be this i want to be that i find it interesting that you're quick to point out like this is helping me evaluate some of my past and and it's almost more personal um can you speak a little more to that yeah actually um the school that i go to specifically focuses on um their students doing a lot of interpersonal work um or i guess introspective work is the the word that i was looking for interpersonal and introspective i guess both exist though um but it's it's really important to I guess the school that I have been attending to really do difficult work and in looking into your own relationship to topics that are brought up, um, like quote unquote abnormal psychology, um, or resiliency or, you know, what do these things mean for you? I mean, I have started wondering if I'm more neurodiverse than I originally thought, um, because these classes are bringing up really realistic things. Um, I'm working on a really challenging project right now for um, resiliency for my resilience class. And um, yeah, I, I really don't think that I would be doing the work of actually learning if I wasn't applying it to the difficult work in my own life. If I was just learning about mental health from a bystander point of view, um, rather than just acknowledging that this is something that every single person deals with and struggles with. And it's not in any way an us and them situation of people who are experts and people who struggle. Um, and if you are approaching it in that circumstance, I don't think that you're you know, in any position to be a counselor because it's not really a safe space to be in. Did that answer your question? <laughs> Boy, boy, did you? Uh, well, and no, you did because, like, I mean, you and I have talked enough off off air. <laughs> this is off why air. off Jeez. air. Uh, to you know, discuss like, you know, I have my own issues with like therapy sessions and like the feelings I get there. Um, it's actually really comforting to kind of lift the veil there, I guess, and be like, hey, a lot of people who are going into this field, the way they are trained is to kind of like not to is to not see themselves as like guardians or like fixers but to actually apply that apply certain kinds of science and knowledge to themselves first yeah um i think that a lot of people um entering therapy and i am um i am no exception in this um approach therapy as kind of like a way of um being validated or being fixed um, and validation is definitely necessary in a lot of cases, and I don't mean to diminish that or diminish that, but I think that a lot of people kind of approach therapy as um, this is a this is a person in authority that I'm going to unveil my soul and secrets to, and then they're going to make judgments about me based on what I'm telling them and what that means about me and how broken I am, and um, that sucks. It sucks that um, society's kind of put that onto people when really, I mean, I I am intending on being a therapist because I feel like I have the tools and just experience in my own life to sit with 
people going through things that, you know, other people might not necessarily be there with. I want to be there for that bigger than body rage because I've had that bigger than body rage too. And, you know, I know how scary that can look like to other people that are sitting there with you and, you know, holding that space to not, not diminish or criminalize these things that are coming up is just, it's important. You know, how are we going to talk about painful things and learn from them if we don't first stop criminalizing them? I wonder how much of your uh, reactions and corrections from Christianity affect that. Because to me, what I hear is I want to practice empathy not sympathy you know and i feel like in a christianity a lot of times you're taught how to practice sympathy but not empathy does that kind of make sense where you know you're you're trying to feel something with someone and walk them through it having felt it before instead of here's a perspective and i feel bad for you because you don't have this perspective yeah no precisely um uh, I really do hear what you're what you're saying in the the whole sympathy empathy regard, and um, that's precisely why I think it's important to challenge yourself with difficult things um, because it's the, the people aren't different. I mean, it's so frustrating to me to see humans being reduced to and looked at based on. Um, product of circumstances or based on um, actions that they took and not looking at a root of something. Um, It's, you know, uh, one of the projects I'm working on right now is um, uh, the presence of um, uh, mental, all right, let me pull it actually back up again for relevance. I actually have a tab open. Um, the The prevalence of mental disorders in incarcerated contact sexual offenders. Um, and it's, I'm trying to do difficult work that is challenging because I think that when people hear mental disorders in contact sexual offenders, they hear an excuse for action. Like, okay, we're just saying that um, as long as you have um, a mental disorder or, um, you know, some kind of struggle with mental health, then that means that what you're doing is okay. And that's that's not it at all um but if we don't if we don't learn from people if we don't learn where they come from and how they grew how their mind grew and who they are and why they are you know why they are the way that they are in this point of their life we're really not going to be addressing anything we're just going to be throwing people away with judgment and diagnoses and what good does that do except for create a barrier of stigmatization? I certainly don't see one. Truly. Yeah, that's just it's just categorizing and labeling people in kind of a, I don't know, in a very uncomfortable way for me. I think it could lead to something bad. Um, before we get too much into this, uh, this is something I wrote down just because I was thinking about it. So you don't necessarily have to have like a perfect response to this. But how do you perceive the differences between like, mind consciousness our physical brains and then spirituality because i feel like all of those can be the same thing and can also be very different how do you perceive all of that oh it's such a complicated okay mind mind differences are spirituality 
So, so I said my. So I was thinking about mind, which is, uh-huh. and then consciousness, uh-huh. which whatever that means. Okay. Then physical brain, so like uh-huh. more science, like what's ha- happening, and then yeah. spirituality, which who the fuck knows. Sure. Um. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I say that's so interesting because, um, you know, I as growing up as a Christian, I had such an implemented understanding of um, the narrator in my head being someone else, being the Holy Spirit. And I had, I had such a understanding of um, monitoring my thoughts so that I didn't have to feel guilty for them. And like, maybe I accidentally thought something that I wasn't supposed to. And that leads to meaning something bad about me, um, you know, or yeah, this, this, um, this idea of the voice in my head, not being my own, um, was really, really powerful. And, um, I think it was maybe when I was 23 that I finally realized that, Perhaps maybe all my thoughts aren't being monitored and graded and scaled, and perhaps it's okay for me to approach my thoughts and emotions with curiosity rather than shame and feeling like it's going to affect my my eternal life. I don't know. Was that helpful at all for what you asked? It's certainly getting to like the start of it because okay. you know Christian Christians get like they use a lot of terms like spiritual warfare and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I could, to me, I, to relate, I didn't necessarily feel like the narrator was the Holy spirit. I felt like the narrator was my evil flesh and the Holy spirit would chime in every now and then. Like that's how it felt to me. Oh yeah. Like there was just this internal struggle more or less. I guess, I guess that is more, more what I mean. Um, if if you, if you actually, yeah, if you break it down a little bit further, I I can see, I can see what you're talking about. I do actually relate to that as far as just this, this struggle of, um, your, your own, you know, if you do kind of practice your own voice or, you know, maybe in, engage in questioning or thoughts that might be labeled as sinful, then, then there's kind of this voice that chimes in as far as like, you better not think about that. No, that's, you need to monitor your thoughts. That that was the. I think sometimes, honestly, I wasn't sure if the badness, if like the the bad thoughts and the bad narration that I had. I think I had some confusion as to whether that was me or whether that was those, um, so to speak, fiery spiritual darts from from Satan that we heard growing up. Right. Well, and Christians will even say have every thought captive, right, to the mm-hmm. word of God or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like it feels like, okay, so there's some volition here, but like yeah, it, I I if you if you take the shit seriously as you and I did, like it it really does it messes with your mind, I tell you, because but but yeah, going back to what I was talking about. So that that to me like the mind is almost I don't know what I think about all this, but I think I break it down like, okay, the mind is your thoughts, you know, the things that you can't scan, like in a MRI. Mm -hmm. And then there's like this consciousness thing that is confusing and I think exists, but we don't really know what it is as far as I can tell, or maybe someone does, but I don't really understand it. 
it's something that connects human to human uh but is also somewhat distinct human to human then you've got physical brains that we can dissect and be like hey this part does this this part does that but then you have uh spirituality where each person kind of gets to make up whatever it works i mean and i don't mean that in a reductive sense but i mean it genuinely like i have my own kind of spirituality i know you do too and i know you know every individual does so i just that's just kind of it's weird to me because when we talk about mental wellness or mental illness i'm like where is the illness only the physical brain stuff or is there other things going on does that make sense oh yeah okay i like that question that wasn't clear to me at first but i like it First of all, like I, as always, I have just kind of like a million little, little commentaries and feel free to cut this out if you feel like it's not helpful, but nothing, nothing will be cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Low editing. I like it. Um, have you seen the movie Cold Souls? Cold Souls. Okay. Um, I saw it like as a young teenager and I think it was probably more impactful for me than I realized at the time. Um, and it's actually probably kind of a strange silly movie i haven't watched it since and i kind of maybe should um but i the the premise of it is that um in this movie your soul was a physical thing in your body that you could have transplanted just like any other part in your body um and there was this process where um but before they will remove your soul you have to confront it though you have to you have to look at what you are running from essentially um and a lot of people choose to keep their soul and a lot of people choose to be someone else because they want they want a different soul. Uh, then there were also soul traffickers. Um, and it was very interesting. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, maybe it's not important. But um, I think it was more uh, impactful for me than I really realized because I started really thinking about what a soul looks like and what that means for me. Um, and then the second little thing that sprung up is... Um, I'm actually in the process right now um, of starting a, a spiritual group, a once a month spiritual group that meets on Zoom. And um, I've reached out to um, a few people that I thought might be pretty good fits for it. And I got a response, which obviously is perfectly okay, but I got a response from someone saying that she didn't have a spiritual life or she didn't think that she would be a good fit. And, you know, I haven't responded yet. Of course, it's fine. But it just, it kind of makes me think how that's possible. I just don't, I don't have that experience. So I'm curious how that looks for someone because I have such an understanding as everyone being inherently spiritual in some way, whatever that could mean for them. Because I think consent and spirituality is really important. Um, But you know, whatever that means for them, I've looked at people as just inherently spiritual. So when I hear someone that um, grew up without a spiritual influence saying that they just politely don't have a spiritual life, I'm kind of curious, I guess. Right. And you wonder how much is of that is like left over and how much, you know, like or not and not in like a bad way, just like, yeah. well, you grew up a certain way. Right. And so like like I I. I, you know, I've obviously talked to a lot of people who have left Christianity or deconstructed their Christianity to some extent. And, you know, it's really common for them to say, yeah, nothing. I'm I'm full on agnostic, full on atheist. Don't practice any spirituality. It's pretty common. But I'm always like, is that just like a reaction? Like, do you not, are you not curious, like, about the thing? 
effects that you felt at one point, you know, that kind of thing. So I think you and I probably align on that a lot. Um, but yeah, where where do you play? Where do you place mental health in all of that? Is there a component of all of those things in there, or is there like I don't know? How do you perceive that? Well, I I can certainly speak to how I personally perceive it, but I think it kind of has to um, be individual to the person or be specific to the individual because of what we're talking about as far as not everyone has a spiritual life. And so maybe their mental health doesn't apply that way. Um, But as far as my perspective is, you know, not only can it be whatever you choose it to be, but I think it depends on how it shows up in your life. Um, Because on one hand, um, you know, mental illnesses and mental disorders factually, of course, um, present themselves physically um, in a lot of people, um, whether that might be um, a hormone imbalance. Um, you know, I, I joke that I take my depression pills every morning or my happy pills or whatever it is that <laughs> I call them. Um, you know, and it, um, it's just, it depends on how that presents for you. So, yeah, it can present physically. Maybe, um, you know, if, if you aren't growing your own serotonin, um, you know, you supplement it elsewhere. But I think that there is a situation where if you have had your spirituality, I, th- I think abused is, is the best word. Um, if you have had your spirituality, you know, abused or misused or violated, then that very likely can be where um, mental illnesses can can pop up and maybe it can be um, a reaction to something or it can be keeping yourself safe or it can be a way of coping. Um, and then as far as a consciousness, um, you know, I think that's so open to interpretation. Um, I think that my consciousness is really, really heavily involved in my mental health um, because I grew up mostly relying on my own internal dialogue. I grew up very, very isolated, homeschooled with usually one caretaker. And I um, just, I relied a lot on my internal world and my internal dialogue. And so a lot of my mental health um, came back around to that. Whereas, um, you know, a lot of other folks that I know um, struggled with mental health from um, growing up going to school and dealing with various circumstances, um, that way. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really going to depend on how your brain developed and, and how it, how it grew, because I think that our consciousness develops really the same way that our physical brain does. Um, you know, I, I am aware of and understand my kind of younger consciousness and younger um, perspective on things, but I've also grown since then and I can add on more layers and more perspective because I've had more experience. Mm. On that note, uh, what, you know, when you compare yourself, obviously you and I both grew up in the cults. We did a whole episode on how indoctrinated we were. Um, When it comes to like mental wellness and mental illness, if you compare and contrast like, you know, the before leaving christianity to the after leaving christianity 
what do you feel like has changed? What do you feel like hasn't changed? And what do you feel like you're still kind of working on? Um, yeah, yeah, good questions. I'm really thinking back to my very first um, introduction into psychology and understanding of it. And my very first um, classes were uh, psychology and sociology at um my technical college that I went to for Running Start when I was 17, probably. And um, the Christian perspective that I grew up with was that um, uh, psychology was an excuse for people to sin and to just, you know, be given a reason and an okay to do it. Um, Basically that it was an example of um, people um, examining um, themselves apart from the Holy Spirit's uh, influence and um, leaning on themselves rather than Jesus. And um, so I kind of had this um, this kind of perspective of like a like an us an us and them. Like uh, mental health really is sinful. Um, you know, it it gives you you know a, another place to go to that isn't. Jesus that isn't, you know, looking to Jesus for, um, your, your guidance and your forgiveness and your acceptance that, you know, if that should be all that you need, right? So if that's not all that you need, then what's wrong with you? You know, if you're still struggling and you're not getting help from God, then, well, God doesn't move himself away from you. As scripture tells us, we only move ourselves away from God. So, us not getting help must also be our fault, right? So growing up then having just kind of this circular perspective on um, my own mental health being my fault because I'm alone with God. And then now just kind of looking at, at it with more of a, more of an open mind and well, not open mind, I guess just open mind towards myself, really just, learning about myself um, is really the way that I think I differentiated the most because I grew up thinking that it was wrong and sinful and selfish to, you know, be focused on myself and learning about that. But I've noticed that it, it makes me so much kinder to other people when I understand the, the kindness and the space that I needed and the the interactions that I really wish that I had had, um, you know, it's it's made me learn how other people might need to be handled. Um, and so it's it's really I think moved off of a off of a space of only looking within myself to looking outside towards others. Wow, so much good stuff you just said there. One, um, yeah, I'm starting to feel the heaviness of this episode. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's starting to happen a little bit. I'm like, John, um, you said you wanted it. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I consented to this. Um, yeah, so first off, um, I, I think it's such an important point that curiosity towards yourself is discouraged in the cult, right? Like, there's like this vague threat or warning that if you look inward for answers or even just to like 
figure out what makes you tick. Don't do that. Look to the Bible. Look to your pastors to figure out what it's already. Your story's already been written. Don't you dare go off, write your own story. Your story is going to be messed up. Yeah. And so, so to, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very astute point because yeah, having left the cold myself and like still having, you know, mental illness, but, and, and when I, so just to compare, like in a high school, you know, I knew I had depression. Like it doesn't, <laughs> frankly, it doesn't take a psychologist to look at me and be like, oh God, that guy's depressed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, LOL. As, as <laughs> LOL. Your, <laughs> as your friend, I'm just saying LOL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. No, yeah. It takes like, it takes like a day. You're like, oh God. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I take, I take a little pride in it. Not going to lie. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, when I was in high school, it was this deep, shameful thing. And then in college, it kind of turned into, well, a lot of the best Christians were depressed. Look at C.S. Lewis. He was depressed as fuck. And he was a hero to Christians. Um, and like, or look at Job and look at these characters in script. So like, I tried to kind of justify it that way. But yeah, the ability to, for me to be like, oh, here's why I tick this way. Here's some parts I could work on. Here's some parts that that wasn't my fault you know even being able to say the phrase that wasn't my fault is like revolutionary compared to how i you know grew up and um the other thing you mentioned just about like kind of that introspection versus like kind of that kind of the inner world inner dialogue versus the outer world like how much how much mental wellness is introspection and how much is getting help from others Mm -hmm. can you phrase that a little bit differently because that sounds a little bit broad no <laughs> uh yeah let's see what in if you if, i'll phrase it more like this if you are going to if you want to improve your mental health mm-hmm. like do you think and it's and obviously it's probably going to depend on individuals of course like most of this will um but in your perception like how much needs to be like looking at yourself versus like getting advice or help or instruction from other people. Well, see, that's the thing, John, that's the thing. <laughs> um, sorry. I don't know why I phrased it that way. <laughs> um, just those kind of picture, <laughs> picturing us sitting in together in armchairs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday. <laughs> someday. Um, I, I really, I really just hate the whole, the whole categorization of um, having it be either either getting help or either looking into yourself, um, because it really, um, I think it really should be a matter of having support in your life that helps you grow yourself, um, because you you really. I don't think that it's healthy to develop the practice of looking looking towards other people for answers um, and looking towards other people for help and solutions. I think that it can be um, – I think it's really, really important for everyone to have a support system to, to have to say, hey, you know – here's my thought press also on this and have that person say, well, have you thought about it like this? How, you know, what, what comes up for you when you think about this person saying that? Well, you know, and just, just asking questions, <laughs> like literally just asking someone to, 
think about themselves, you know, just, just guiding people into learning about the, themselves and holding that space. But, you know, far be it for me to give advice to someone that I am sitting and talking to for an hour in my future. You know what I mean? Um, I, I really just want to, I really want to make sure that I am, you know, qualified to hold space for someone to learn about themselves. You know, it's, it's not for me to tell someone what to do. Um, and it's not for anyone else's either. Um, it's just, it's, I think it's really important to have a community that just assist people in walking themselves through life because no one else is going to be there with you when you die, you know, in your, in your inner world. Hourly, hopefully, yes, many, many people are there with you when you, when you die. But, um, you know, when you are Not all- for me. Nah, they're all going to be like, <laughs> peace out. Uh, I'll send a card. Uh, <laughs> no, I just mean like when, when you're like, when you're by yourself, like at night, you right. know, you're, that's you, you know? So like, you can't, yeah. you can't just be in the practice of always needing someone, you know, you, you have to develop those muscles within yourself. And if people around you aren't helping you develop those muscles, then they don't really love you. Mm. Yeah, I think that's actually I think that's a good perspective on it. Um yeah. It, it it because of my religious upbringing, my my self-centered, self-centered like awful voice is going off that I'm trying to kill. Um because because that's that's real, right? Like you go like, "Wait, isn't it is it selfish for me to view people as a support system?" And well, no, because obviously you're supposed to be a support system for them. But you're right. Like truly loving someone is actually caring about their needs and caring about their care for their own needs, not just trying to make them fit onto a grid of correct behavior or anything like that. I mean, yeah, it's almost as if our relationship should be tailored to the people. Right. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm big on individualization. Um, you know, no, no two relationships should be exactly the same in my opinion like there's unique bits of every unique bits of everyone no that sounds weird um but (laughs) there yeah i do pride myself my unique bits (laughs) i have very unique bits uh i should probably see a doctor but um yeah well so let me ask this like this is something i obviously have to deal with with the podcast and like both both myself and for my audience and and the rest does like Talking about religious stuff ever trigger you? Yes. Next question. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Can you like sames samesies? Uh, can you can you go more into like either what that looks like or or why or anything like that? Um. To be honest with you, the most you know even even more things. It's interesting because even like things outside of religion will trigger me about religion. Does that make sense? Good. Say more. Okay. Um, Cause I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure our brain understands. Um, yeah, no, but. Um, yeah. For the sake of the others <laughs> go on. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the thing that has been the most triggering for me the last, Oh, I guess two and a half years now is um, just noticing a lot of things that um, I guess we had been warned about in like the end times. And it's not like these things started just a couple of years ago, but a lot of things kind of came to a head because of 
COVID and there were limitations on other things and what people are doing and other things that we are focusing on and so forth and they're on, etc. But like a lot of the people in my life didn't really understand why I was kind of like, oh, this is really weird how, uh, you know, there's an illness going on that's wiping out the whole nation and, you know, there's the civil unrest and, uh, you know, da- danger everywhere and <laughs> this is really awful. And um, it's it's so annoying because I would kind of go into these different spirals of what if I was wrong and then if I was wrong, do I still want to stick to my decision? Because I still might. You know, as far as uh, I guess what I mean is, you know, if I if I was wrong um, about leaving Christianity um, and there is a heaven and a hell, do I still want to stick to having left Christianity? Because I still might want to stick to that decision now that I've had more time outside of the church and I have kind of realized how little I want to follow a leader that was um you know exalted as Christ uh, I still you know would probably stick with that decision but you know it's it's been really triggering to remember staying in religion out of just fear for my life literally wow so 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 interesting because like this is you know you and I talk a lot about how we're the same and how we're different you know Mm -hmm. like comparing and contrasting because it's fun because it's like our similars are so strikingly similar and our differences are so strikingly different (laughs) yeah that that was something I was thinking about obviously getting ready for the pod is just kind of how you know funny it is that we are so so similar in so many ways and then in so many other ways we just could not be more different and it's just it's just always fun to see what (laughs) which it's gonna be exactly that's why we're long lost twins i'm almost convinced um (laughs) but the and i'm pretty sure i'm the evil one but you might be i don't know um but uh (laughs) but but you know that's that kind of big stuff almost never triggers me it's it's little things that will get me in a weird bad mental health spot like when like just if i see someone who's like just like if someone's like reporting on social media about something that sad that happens in their life and then they're like so glad god's there to comfort me like that stuff just sends me like i just like i get i like get mentally crazy over that stuff but like stuff that looks like end times or stuff that like looks like the christians were right i was like eh, fuck them. i know they're wrong so <laughs> i can just like move on from it and it doesn't bother me um but those little things they they send me what um i just i want to learn more what um what do you mean by by sending you do they make you angry um that's usually the best reaction honestly if i get angry i more just get either depressed or like really it's it's bitterness more than anger i'm like Mm -hmm. so mad that i was like raised the way i was raised or that like the people i it's just yeah, I, because I think what it is is I th- I agree this is probably self-centered but I grieve like the times that I went to that instead of actually working on myself right like I'm like man I I just I just effed my life up so many times by like trying to do it the Christian way and because I was scared that exploring myself would lead me away from Christians I guess or from Christ you know like 
it, it almost feels like anger or bitterness or resentment from from lost time that I just like wasted. I could have been improving myself. I could have started improving myself a lot earlier. I think that's maybe where it comes from. Oh, wow. Wow, that's really big. Yeah, because that's that's not what I would have gotten from you saying that it um that it sends you. So um I'm glad we're talking more. Well, obviously, like some of it is just like f- those Christians, but like that's like the immature. I can move on from that. That's not really triggering. Like I mean, when I'm like it, when it'll mess with me. Yeah. You know, no. Like, yeah. Press. Yeah. Um. For me, what I'm hearing is sadness from you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm a, well, okay. Lily, it's John, <laughs> your friend. He's sad. No, no, I guess what I'm saying is that is that so many times um I think that a lot of people don't don't sit with um anger being a secondary emotion from sadness. Um or or grief being a At secondary emotion. At least disappointment, emotion. right? Disappointment, yeah. 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 I don't know. Like it's it's yeah. So religious stuff triggers me but you know i obviously know it doesn't trigger me as much as some of my friends you know i have i have really good friends who like cannot listen to my podcast and that's totally fine with me like i don't blame them at all there's obviously a lot of like triggering religious trauma related stuff that i talk about um but like yeah it it, nine times out of ten if i'm talking about christian stuff it will not trigger me um uh but i but i because that's true that's part of the reason why i keep doing this is i'm like well if if i can handle this like i i want to talk about this you know because i think it needs to be talked about but it's always just a question i'm curious about because it you know it reminds me a lot of suicide back in the day like obviously i was very suicidal in high school and like i wanted to talk about it and felt like i couldn't and so now I'm very big on like, hey, I really don't like when suicide isn't even mentionable. Like that, like really bothers me because I think it. I think it must be um, because if it's not mentionable, it's just it's not it's not making it happen less, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's kind of like it, it's a similar feeling sometimes for me with religious trauma, where I'm like, hey, like I want you to recover and I want you to be healthy, but we also like gotta talk about this on some level, you know. Gosh, yeah, I, I, this is this is the part where we're the same. I really could not agree more. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think there's like a like a Mister Rogers quote that um contains like uh, everything. Feelings are both mentionable and manageable. I think you and I share this favorite quote. So. <laughs> yeah, well, and he he also says everything that is human is mentionable. Um, so good. We didn't deserve Fred. You know, I wasn't allowed to, I actually wasn't allowed to watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because my mom said that he was a socialist. That's what, can I tell you, you know, he, <laughs> he was actually like a minister in the, in the Presbyterian church. So like, that's funny. wild so, to me so because I'm like, dude, Presbyterians are, I grew up Presbyterian. They're wild. They're like so dogmatic and reformed. But then Mr. Rogers comes along and is just an actual angel. Like literally an angel on earth. Nothing bad to say. Yeah, no, yeah, full support. <laughs> Fred, Fred, Fred Rogers for president. Uh, yikes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you you were saying that yeah, this stuff yeah. is is mentionable and and it's it's got to be right. It has to be. Um, it's just yeah. Uh, because if we if we treat certain things in humanity as being unmentionable, then we treat the people that have these unmentionable thoughts and these unmentionable everyday 
situations as being shameful and unmentionable. And gee, if someone that is struggling with suicide is viewed as unmentionable, how helpful is that? Yeah, literally harmful. Literally like, harmful. Yeah, like yeah. why? Why are we doing this? Why are we making? Why are we making hurt people? ashamed for hurting like that's so unproductive um you know we can't we can't tell people that you know so many people are are um dealing with so many problems that you can't talk about um you know that's just that that leaves only um only some people to feel like they're allowed to allowed to speak but then they're at the risk of being kicked out of that club at any time right because you know how how dare you be like the other strugglers and it's just it creates again just this us and them mentality as if as if only some people um have mental illness or mental struggles and i just don't think that's true um you know my my wild opinion on this podcast for the day is that a everyone is neurodivergent and b everyone has mental illnesses goodbye Oh, wow. Yeah. I, man, I'm trying to decide how much I want to engage that because I not like just for the sake of time, like I'm like, man, for sure. Because, because I, I think about that a lot Um, because it's like, wait, if everybody has divergence, yes, I don't think there's any debating that because I'm like, yeah, I mean, come on, like we're, we're going like the normal has got to be like the mean or the average and no one purely exists as an average so yeah divergent makes sense but then illness i'm always like well what is that i mean everyone i guess could catch mental colds but then i guess it's a matter of degrees of illness is is that like a fair do how much do you agree or disagree with that i just i really think that everything literally is a spectrum um like it's literally health you know what i mean it's not like you're gonna find people that well okay that's not true because i was one of them um i was just gonna say there's plenty of people that don't go to the doctor, but that doesn't mean that they're not sick. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you and I definitely agree. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, you know, it can look different for different people, but yes, yeah. I would say everyone is going to have things to work through in their mind and like, you know, habits that will help their mind and habits that will hurt it. Um, but, and it will be different based on how they developed and yada 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 absolutely and it's just it's just a changing spectrum that is not linear (laughs) you know it's just just like people your mental health is going to be fluctuating and growing and changing hopefully just just as you are changing as a person and taking on experiences into your life and learning from other people and hopefully doing some introspective work into yourself and going okay what wasn't great what have people said to me? What can I take on? What, you know, what have people said to me that I can also, you know, kind of compare against my experiences? You know, what, what can I work on? Just, just honestly engage yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because this is something I've had to think through. You know, I don't particularly care for anti-theist or popular atheist or whatever most of the time, but um, you know, some of them have called God delusional, obviously, most famously Richard Dawkins, uh, or not called him delusional, but rather believing in God is uh, delusional. Uh, in what ways are they right? And in what ways are they wrong? 
Hey, I, I hope your audience is gonna, isn't going to hate me for continually saying it's really up to interpretation for everyone. <laughs> because well, yeah, <laughs> because what is delusion? <laughs> well, delusion. I I would assume, yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, I mean that is kind of the tricky thing. It's uh, it's usually it's it's similar. It's basically like a hallucination you don't see. Is that <laughs> like what a delusion is? Is that I'll, I'll look it up, but sure, that's yeah. kind of how I perceive it, at least. Well, and then you know the other open question is, what does God mean to that person? Because God doesn't, you know, God right. isn't, you know, a spiritual sky daddy for everyone. <laughs> You know, I don't mean to sound condescending. Um, That's perfectly legitimate if that is someone's experience. But just, you know, you have to figure out the narrative that you're working with first. Okay, here we go. Delusion. I think this might help our conversation. The the first definition that just popped up if you Google it is an idiosyncratic belief or impression that is firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what is generally accepted as reality or rational argument. Uh, and then parentheses, symptom of a, di- a mental disorder. But I just don't think that you can prove or disprove whether or not there is a God. And because because you can't argue with what God is for individual people, you know what I mean? So if you can't right. prove or disprove different interpretations, then how are you going to say what is and isn't delusional? Yeah, I think you and I actually agree on this, too. Imagine that. Um, because, Crazy. yeah, I. I, I this is part of what I don't like about popular atheist arguments is I'm like you're just talking like people are like stupid believing in fairy tales. I'm like right. it's way more like ingrained than that. Now, are there some delusional Christians? Yes. Do Christians do delusional things? I think so. Um but that's not it's probably not best to categorize I my personal opinion, my hot take of the day is uh I think that I think that the way to approach, you know, people who are part of a cult, which is what I think Christianity is, is to not actually engage them on whether their beliefs are the problem, but actually um, to go like their belief system is the problem, but to actually go through specifics of circumstances. So, for example, you know, most people who leave Christianity either leave for A, academic reasons or B, behavior reasons. It's usually like, I couldn't resolve this theology in my head. It didn't make sense. Or I saw this behavior and it became too much. I'm on the behavior side of things. I saw too much bad behavior and then I worked my way back to the academic. It can go the other way too. Um, The only reason I think that's worth talking about when it comes to mental health is I don't think it's smart to view Christians as necessarily mentally unwell but to in, in like a stigmatized way, but more to be like, well, what is their general mental health as a person rather than like focusing so much on the ideology? Does that make sense? Yeah, it actually it actually makes a lot of sense um, because I as I'm you know positive that you also did, you know, went through many growing pains of grief and anger and resentment leaving the church. Um, it was hard for me in a lot of ways and then also felt good to feel like it was easy to throw it away you know what I mean um on on one hand I you know I I took my faith so seriously that I would remove my shoes in the sanctuary and I I grieved when I felt like I lost my spirituality but on the other hand it would also be easy for me to be like those those Christians they're incredibly painful they caused me so much harm um but 
you know, as I've come to understand what Christianity and what religion means to so many different people, I understand that that's not everyone's experience and it doesn't have to be. And it really needs to be more situation based of what does your faith mean to you and what is your faith in God telling you to do as far as trusting or not trusting your mental health or, um, you know, how sinful is it to put yourself as a priority if you are trying to be healthy and be around other people? Because it's just not different from the rest of your body. Like, what would you say to someone who is like recovering from religion who doesn't want therapy or want mm-hmm. to read about mental health because like the whole ordeal just seems exhausting and overcomplicated. Like mm-hmm. what, what's your response to that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really just want to inquire more as far as why it's exhausting to that particular person. Um, you know, does it, you know, do they feel like um, they, they can never achieve uh, mental health? Um, does, is it because they feel that, um, spirituality is out of reach if they want to also have mental health? You know, is it because they feel so abandoned by their, their spiritual support system and their spiritual leader, um, that they feel like they can't themselves be a spiritual You're, you're therapizing, you're therapizing, you I'm know, sorry. Like, I feel like, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, no, just a. I think it's great. I think you're asking all the right questions. But like, I don't want to ask the questions. I I just want that person to ask themselves these questions. I don't need to know, you know, like I don't, I don't ever need to know. Um, I just think that it's important for someone to just start just inquiring why, you know, just why, why is it that I have this aversion? You know, like what, what, what if, what, what does this mean for me? You know, like, you don't have to tell someone else about it because it doesn't involve someone else. It's about you, you know, not, you know, you, John, just, you know, you, this theoretical person that is, you know, uncovering yourself because, you know, you're not, you know, I think it's going to be really difficult to achieve health in any aspect if you don't look at the root causes and the root symptoms, literally like, okay, here's what I'm noticing. Why might this be? Like, what am I noticing about this? And then start yeah. start from there because you're not you're not going to achieve anything unless you ask yourself your questions about what what am I noticing here. It is interesting that Christian cults make fun of the secular world for giving instant gratification when ironically they train their own to have a mindset of instant gratification when it comes to getting things. In other words. As soon as you become a Christian, you're supposedly healed or at least on a journey to healing. Actual mental health is not the same process, right? And I think that, and this is not to shame anyone, of course, but I I can speak to my case. You know, I saw a relationship coach on on my way out of my marriage and what turned out to be on my way out of faith. And, uh, you know, I was was definitely doing a flirtatious dance with alcoholism. And, uh, you know, I think... I think honestly, like the idea of sitting in a room and talking to someone was just like, like it made me want to vomit. So like even engaging on why I wouldn't want to do that was like, no, that's, that's the same thing. I don't want to ask why. 
And I think there's space for that, right? I was grieving. I was going through a process. And now, obviously, I've come a long way from there. Yeah. Um, but but I think some of the things that might have been said to me that helped were were this were really that like I had value and that things couldn't hurt. I think that was one of the things that really helped was to understand like what what's the wor- what play out your worst case scenario, you know? Like you go to a therapy session, you don't like it, you never go back. Okay, not so bad, right? And and it kind of like it maybe I was scared I would be joining a different kind of cult, maybe I was scared because, you know, there were the seeds of doubt planted about psychology in general, you know, who knows what it was. But I think that that was the best thing that people did for me was say like, listen, we're not going to make you do anything, but like, it's not going to hurt you. Like, and just reassuring me that like the, the world out there is not trying to hurt me. I can, I can do experiments, really experiments on myself with other people out in the world helping me. And it's a lot lower risk than I think the religious cult uh, made me think it was. Yeah, actually. I mean, uh, that mindset is why I went back to school, essentially, um, because my uh, my professional background uh, was in corporate accounting, um, specifically mortgage corporate accounting. And it didn't make me happy. You know, it wasn't it was awful. And initially. Initially, I just ended up asking myself, you know, if I'm going to be around in however long it takes, you know, four years, six years, who cares? I may as well do something that is fulfilling. It's not going to hurt. You know, it's if it's not going to hurt, then literally what is the harm? Um, and also, it's it's my choice. You know, I have the autonomy to leave at any time. If I feel uncomfortable or like it's not working, um, you can always change perspectives. You can always change how you're approaching a problem. Um, and there's also not only one way to therapize, you know. Um, I think that the idea that talking in a chair, um, or you're sitting in a chair and talking to someone is going to work for everyone is incredibly ableist. That's not going to work for everyone. Um, a lot of people can't do that for a lot of reasons. So um, it's important to find what is going to help a person specifically be healthy. And it's okay if it's not sitting in a chair talking to someone about their deepest, darkest secrets. It's just, it's up to that person to grow and find what tools can I can I implement in my life to be as healthy as I want to be. I so deeply agree with that um, on so many levels. Um, but I do want to ask, you know, for, for you with your own, like dealing with, um, you know, mental wellness, uh, like what, what self-care and therapy has worked for you and what has not worked for you? Um, well, for me specifically, talk therapy did end up being really helpful um, for a couple of reasons. A, by nature, I'm a very very talkative person. Um, I joke that I have the gift of gab. I could literally talk to anyone about anything. I, it's, yeah. Um, so I, I need to talk. It's, that's the most helpful form for me is to talk things out. Um, whether that be literally a therapist or, you know, a bestie on the phone at 3am, uh, AKA you sometimes. <laughs> it's just. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's just never that's never happened that's just that's my mode of working things out um and that's just how i operate um i just sometimes will uh, have insurance pay for part of it 
Um, but um, I also really, I also really needed to be listened to and validated because my own experience growing up is I, I wasn't allowed to tell my story. I wasn't allowed to tell my experience because it was it was wrong or it made someone else look bad or feel, you know, certain kinds of shame or emotions about their own action. And I just, I, I really needed someone to hear like the most ugliest things that I have thought of doing and say, that makes a lot of sense. You were trying to survive and have me go, Oh my gosh, really? Like I'm, I'm, that's, that makes sense to someone. I'm not a monster. Like, oh, that's really cool. And then that kind of, that kind of opens up the curiosity bit as far as now that I've established that I am not a monster, I can be a little bit more curious into what that looks like and what was happening to me and why I felt the way that I did about what was happening to me. Yeah. It's so ironic, isn't it? Because it's like, one of christianity's selling points is it's like at at some point this guy is gonna accept you faults and all and then you go to like one therapy session and you're like well so does this guy i mean it's (laughs) it's 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 kind of shocking how like how how it's really it really preys on fear and vulnerability because once you again take that step yeah one of the most I, i agree with you like one of the most beneficial things for me when I've when I have done therapy has been um yeah just like not being validated as not crazy for like things that I thought were so dark and horrible like and just being like no that makes sense how that happened like I like I've I literally had a therapist once say to me I, I don't say this to everyone and I'm not trying to be like ridiculous but John that's not a big deal it makes sense that that <laughs> happened. Like, like, and I was like, because I was beating, I was just beating myself up over this thing for years, for years, almost a decade. And like, mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, that's really not that big a deal. Um, mm-hmm. Like, she was like, I thought you were, when you were preparing me for this, I thought it was going to be like way worse. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and keep in mind audience, like, I, again, I don't necessarily disclose my whole personal life in public, but like, it's not like the thing I did wouldn't be considered a big deal by some, but to have someone who had knows my life story and knows the build and has heard the thought process in an unfiltered way to also go, yeah, no, makes sense. You know, and also here's the unhealthy parts in that. What are some plans we can do to kind of work on those unhealthy parts? It's just super refreshing and it's better than anything evangelicalism ever gave me. It's almost as though people are normal and redeemable <laughs> and you don't need to go to someone just else automatically to be, and you don't need to go to yeah. someone else to be cleaned and made redeemable shocking mm. shit like preach. so shocking preach <laughs> yeah i i couldn't agree more i mean it really is it really is kind of mind-blowing when it's like wait the cult they, they i call it disease mongering right like they created a problem so that their solution made sense seriously wasn't necessarily a problem because just just because just because you have flaws and have had mistakes doesn't mean that that's your end all be all state you still have as much life left to live as you want it's your choice whether or not you 
can grow from it or are going to grow from it. And guess what? If we're going to create this whole pocket group of shame that is convincing you that absolutely no one else is going to convince, is going to accept you with your flaws and all and offer you grace and forgiveness except for this one person, then of course we're not going to be addressing and fixing our problems and our mental illnesses and our, our issues. Like it's just, it's just creating this shameful festering, you know, big wound of just not helping each other. Yup. I mean, it really is. It's like, it's just, it's backwards, right? Like, it's like, if you actually want to work on your problems, like, not talking about them won't help. And also only talking about them to someone who can't respond at all doesn't really help. And then also only assuming that the way you can be clean in any uh, real metaphysical way is if you give lifelong servitude to a group of at first strangers you know and then eventually people who force yourself into your life i mean it's just it's so dangerous and obviously you and i are are uh heartbroken by what the cult is capable the number that on people's mental health that uh that the cult can do well and another thing that i think it's important to touch on is that um a lot of the autonomy that the cult takes away from and honestly it's pretty much all autonomy in my in my own experience is um the ability to choose your own support system and to choose the people that can know about your your deepest spiritual flaws and errors because it's so weird it's it's like you're put between this rock and a hard spot of a you um you must you know accept um spiritual forgiveness and then you know tell your story to other people about how you have been forgiven and what jesus has done for you but then b you also are put in the situation where you're surrounded by people that are going to shame you and hate you and make you feel like you are somehow different or wrong for being just like them yeah it's 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 odd and obviously very destructive um you know, you and I have talked about how we both have like really good memories, like scary good memories. Um, and so for us, it's kind of easy, I guess, to, you know, recount the past. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of those normal, pe- the others, uh, what they tell me is, that, <laughs> um, you know, like that. And also just science is, you know, obviously like your brain a lot of times will block out memories if there's trauma and stuff. Um, but you and I, I think, are probably more susceptible to reliving experiences. So. I don't know, for people like us, should we should we try not to obsess about our past too much or is it okay to engage with it? I think you have to ask whether or not it is hindering your growth in your current life and engage with it that way. Because um, I think that it's really, really important to um, learn from yourself and learn from your past experiences. I mean, I know a lot more about... Um, I've learned a lot about myself at 19 and 20 just in the last few months. Um, And I think that it's always really important to be engaging with the linear timeline of your life and learning from that and learning from those experiences and why maybe some things happened. But it's also, I think, important to not obsess over it because ultimately you cannot change it. Things have already you know, it's already written down. It's already in the book. <laughs> like the experience is already there. Wipe, just, you know, write it off. 
And, you know, it's your choice whether or not you're going to learn from it. And if you don't learn from it, then it's not really productive. But if you if you can try to apply it to how you would like to be different or keep some of those things, then I think that's really helpful. But, you know, constantly circling the drain of what if and why and what was me is never going to help you go forward and try to be different and have a different, better perspective and a better life. I agree. One of the things I'll I'll be I'll be personally vulnerable. Like one of the things I've noticed about me is it feels like I know this it sounds it's that this is now this is just therapy. This is like something I've I would say to a therapist is like it feels like it takes me like nine to ten years to get over something. Like it really does. Like when I analyze when something happened, when I finally like accepted it and and forgave myself, maybe asterisk, you know. Like, it takes me so long and I feel like so, I, you know, comparison never helps, right? But sometimes I'll be like, man, I feel like all my friends are able to just get over things so much quicker than I am. Uh, you know, that's 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 a problem for me, especially when it comes to like, Christ- the, the funny thing is Christianity is a little bit of an exception to that rule because it has not been 10 years since I left the cult, but it has been well over 10 years since I started questioning whether I was in a cult. Um so I think I was so ready to to leave that when I did leave, it was like, oh, I, I know, I know exactly why I'm leaving, you know. Um, but yeah, it takes me a long time to get over stuff. And so uh, I don't know why I felt like bringing that up. But I, I, I think it I think it can apply to people who are scared to leave things or scared to do something new because they're like, it's going to take me so long to get over this, um, which ironically makes, you know, just puts it off longer. Um, no, I'm actually glad that you brought it up um, because I was just going to say that there's um, there really should not be um, there really shouldn't be this expectation put on people growing and learning and grieving. Um, it quite literally took me over a year for me to grieve that my brother had passed away. It just hadn't sunk in and. You know, um, our mother said that I was not honoring God with the way that I was grieving because I wasn't grieving yet. It, you know, it hadn't, that wasn't my process. Um, But I think that it's impossible to, it's just impossible to grow from something if you're not there yet. You can't, you can't force growth. You can't force a mindset Um, so if you're not, if you're not ready to process something or not, you know, if you're not processing something or not growing from something, that means you're not ready and you might process it later. Um, there's a really awesome writer that I got to read last quarter that I really wish I could remember her name right now, but she was, um, speaking to, um, having to learn as an instructor to, um, to be satisfied with her students not immediately benefiting from what they were learning because later sometimes they would come to her and say, you know, this, this really wasn't for me at the time, but you know, this actually really helped me out now. And that's because it was when, you know, their minds were ready for us, when their lives were ready for it, it was applicable to their lives. It was applicable to their growth. And I just really don't understand why all this pressure on learning on a certain timeline and growing and healing on a certain timeline has been created. It makes no sense. I can identify two sources. I think one is definitely like the cult, like we've talked about kind of conditions you to expect like fast results, basically like 
sign up for sign up now okay you're a christian now do all this wait you didn't do that confess it okay be before the church confess your sin all right here's your rebuke and move on like that's kind of the process there i also think just generally in society like the internet age has just like made rewired our brains to be so fast when like out here in the real world where you know we can actually see each other and touch each other like human humans are aren't supposed to go as fast as computers like that's not how we work and so i think that that might be two sources of why we want to grow quickly or or get healthier mentally quickly yeah i mean i'm not saying that the desire to grow quickly isn't valid it's just it's um it's not always attainable and it's just not your fault you know i mean it's kind of like you know i i grew up on a farm so my metaphor is seasons you know you can't you can't plant seeds out of season it's just not they're not going to grow you're literally just going to be wasting your seed you know <laughs> like you have to you know it's it's okay that it's not always the time to grow wow that that analogy makes me happy because i just saw the first sprouts in my garden today so i'm Aww. like yeah and i planted them like in uh what november no earlier than that so see and then like and then, like, where were you in November? You know, I'm sure that you were going through. I'm, I'm sure you were going through stuff in November. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My you know mind what I mean? was not great in November. Yeah, mine wasn't either. Yeah, like honestly, mine wasn't either. Um, but so, like, literally, you planted those seeds in November. A lot has happened, and a lot of time, space, and growth has happened. And now your now your plants are coming up because it is literally the season for them to be coming up. Like growth should not be on a timeline. I agree. And like, yeah, it's, it's that, it's that, yeah, it's not always methodical either. Right. Because I always tell people a lot of change can happen in a short amount of time. You know, it it, it can be kind of crazy. Like I think about like, let's see, how old am I? I'm 27. So like, yeah, five years ago, I was like, I'm going to be a pastor someday. Five years, like in the, in the scheme of my life. I mean, that's, you know, only like 20% of it or whatever. So that's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it's just, it's interesting that like, yeah, you can, you have to give yourself, you have to be able to accept that your change is not going to look like super step-by-step. Step. Usually it's kind of going to go all over the place a lot of the time. Five years ago, I was literally just trying to survive. <laughs> like literally I had no other goal. <laughs> so yeah, it's just like seriously, fuck timelines. It, like they don't matter. Time is not real. I don't know why anyone won't listen to me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll I'll advocate that people should just listen to you uh, about you. all things at all times. Um, Excellent. Yeah, that's that's my advocacy. Uh, yeah, I've said before you should just be dictator of the world, and you I feel don't. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> I just don't want that responsibility. You know, like how often, yeah. John, how often do you think dictators get to take naps? Like, honestly. <laughs> I love that that's your like biggest concern. It's like, but nap time though. <laughs> think about uh, it. Do they, do, do, I, tell me a dictator you that you think takes naps right now. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, certain dictators probably have that like, I just pigged out nap every now and then. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they probably eat, like, a lot of gross food and then just kind of pass out sitting up in their chair. Like, but that's, that's all of probably, us. That's probably, like, sure. But they do. I don't know. I was trying to think of when they would nap. And I was like, I, I, there's got to be an answer to this. <laughs> this is why you don't ask hypotheticals to me. 
I'm like, hold on, let me consider this. I'm just trying to end on a good note, John. Yeah, well, that doesn't. No, no, we can't do that. Um, I've got some halibut to eat. I don't know about you. <laughs> we can we can definitely start to wrap things up. No, what I'm are, just I'm just it, kidding. It, I'm there... just kidding. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, I I don't have much more. I just I guess when it comes to I don't know how you see your journey. Do you see it in terms of like, I don't know, I guess it's like how I, I will ask it more general and go whichever way you want with it. How do you perceive your own mental health journey? It's just, it's not over. I don't think it will ever be over. Um, and that's because I am literally never going to stop learning and growing because it's a choice that I'm making. I'm going to be engaging uh, in in my life and in my growth. Um, I am at a significantly better place than I used to be. Um, and I, you know, I have experienced depression in different ways than I do now. Um, but it's still there. Um, it's just a matter of, I have the tools to cope with it and I have the tools to understand that it is seasonal and it's not going to last forever. Um, I just, I just feel like I am more, I'm more well equipped to live with myself, literally. Um, it's not about, you know, changing yourself or being in, you know, recovery necessarily. Because I think that, you know, your your whole life is, is recovery because your whole life is growing, right? I just feel like I, I have more tools and more uh, muscle that I have practiced to you know, live with myself and to, um, to encounter, you know, struggles that I deal with in different circumstances that come up that I don't expect. Um, you know, I, I handle things a lot better than I would have a few years ago. So, um, and I really hope that in the future I handle things better than I do now. Um, but you know, I understand that it's not, you know, I can't rush that because I have to grow first. I have to just put the time in and that's okay. Cause I'm, you know, I'm planning on being around for a while. I'm glad you're planning on, on being around for a while. Um, this might be too big a question to open towards the end, but it might be on some people's mind just as far as mental health and mm-hmm. Christianity are related. Um, I have a great amount of difficulty and have my whole life, both when I was a Christian and when I was not just coping and just grieving. I mean, you can just call it grieving just like, with death, right? And Christians have sometimes been accused, I don't think this is an accurate accusation, but I've been accused of believing in this because I can't cope with death. They need to know that there's an afterlife where they'll see their friends again or whatever. Um, I don't. I think that's way too simplistic. I think there's a lot more going on uh, when it comes to Christianity, but I don't know. How do you, do you, do you struggle with that too? Or have you gotten to a pretty good place of acceptance? Cause I, I frankly cannot handle death well at all. And I wonder how much of that was contributed, how much of that was from the cult and how much is just my own personality and my own mental illnesses. No, that's, that's a really super valid question <laughs> um, because yeah, existential dread is definitely something that I struggle with. Um, off and on it really just kind of depends on um where my mental state is at uh really at that particular day um ultimately giving like the the best most helpful positive answer is that um it was helpful for me to try and 
delve a little bit into what I think that um, spirituality is um, and what that could look like when you die. So, um, you know, I think that literally people are energetic, that people have literal spiritual energetic, and you and I have talked ad nauseum about this, um, but, you know, for just for the others, um, but just that it, for ma- the others. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense to me that um, if, if there is, if there is energy that is active, it's, it's impossible for energy to just completely dissipate. Um, that, and so I, I have found kind of maybe comfort and maybe realism, maybe a combination of the two, um, to, uh, I guess, think about myself continuing on into another, you know, into another existence. Um, and, you know, a lot of people call that, um, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with the word with that other, with that, that there's call. Reincarnation. It's, thank you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know that I would say, yes, I believe in reincarnation because I think a lot of people have kind of, you know, interesting takes on that. Like, I think that I'm going to be in like a, a goat specifically or a cat or whatever. I think I love personally, I would love to be a cat. Um, but, right. I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just, it makes sense to me that um, energy can continue on and that energy is for me is meaning uh, spirituality. Um, and I understand that that's, uh, that doesn't make sense to everybody. And, you know, I, obviously that might change for me later on. Um, but I, I really just think that it's important for people when they feel like they can to just think about what do I think exists for me spiritually? Like what, what am I spiritually? What do I exist within myself spiritually? And then, you know, use what resources feel comfortable to you use your discern- use your discernment <laughs> so to speak <laughs> you know like look um you know there's there's all kinds of of books podcasts people out there to talk to talk to each other you know what 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 do we think i really don't have a definite answer i just have like a theory that makes sense to me but I think it's important that we talk to each other and that we, again, just like mental health, destigmatize the idea of dying because it's, it happens to everyone. It's literally a part of the human experience. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to cry about some stuff real quick and then we'll wrap up. So, <laughs> um, I, If you have some resources, yeah, I, I have I, plenty. <laughs> or if you want some resources, I have plenty. <laughs> Positive yeah, well, death you know, experiences. You can send me them. Oh, actually, no, really. If people want to look up, uh, th- um, her her page is called the Good Death, and um, if you're quicker on your phone than I am, maybe you can look up her actual name. But um, she has written some some fantastic um books. Um, I think she's a mortician. She's all kinds of things, but that's been personally very helpful for me is The Good Death. And I think she also wrote a children's book called Will My Cats Eat My Eyeballs and Other Questions About Death. Nice. Yeah. See, those are the fun kind of questions. Uh, <laughs> I um, Just quickly, I, I did want to say, like, you know, in my own journey of, like, coping with, like, death and stuff, I, I will say, you know, it's definitely not linear. It's a, it's an up and down thing. But um, <clears throat> there's a... Uh, 
the 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 you know if you're not into the energy stuff i am but if you're not into that stuff you can also look at it as like what's what was their legacy and like you know people i've lost i think about their legacy and how um you know lucky i am to have gotten to participate in it and learn from their legacy um i think can be a really healing um thing that's all i wanted to say and if i say more i'll cry a lot so <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, yeah before before we sign off here lily is there anything else you wanted to say on this topic or or anything else before we before we get out of here yeah always like i mean not really but always <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll, 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 yeah. So, so good death. And then is there any other good resources you, you'd recommend? <laughs> not that, not that I can think of. I'm trying to, I'm really trying to think of like what's some good, like existential. Oh, Caitlin, Caitlin Doughty. Caitlin Doughty is her name. And she's the founder of the Order of the Good Death and at Clarity Funerals. Um, yeah, there's just, there's some good stuff going on there. And then, um, I've also just, um, just learned a lot about energy for anyone that is curious from, um, Jessica Lignadu. Um, and, you know, if people go to her page, they're going to see that, um, you know, she, she is a medium, she has some psychic woo stuff, but I've just really learned a lot from her in general. She's just a really smart person and I've learned a lot about energy from her. Awesome. Lily, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, it, it's it's always fun to talk to you. It's it's also fun to record talking to you, and uh, <laughs> hopefully this this benefits some people who might be struggling with um, you know their own mental health, either exited, exiting, or still stuck in that damn cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, truly, 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 and um, you know, again, I. I just really don't want it to seem like an us and them situation to folks that, you know, still are stuck in the cult, so to speak, or still are attending church in ways that are maybe beneficial to their mental health. Um, I just really think that the human experience is, is so linear and so communal. And I really mean that. I just, I really think that we all just need to be talking more to each other and learning more about each other because how else are we going to get anywhere? I couldn't agree more. Thanks again for coming on and thank you listener for stopping by. If you wish to learn more about what's going on in my life or wish to purchase my book, go to thecultofchristianity.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, please continue to listen, follow, share, and consider subscribing for additional content. For only five bucks a month, you'll have access to two additional shows, Parsing Propaganda, where I review and critique Christian content, and Art, where we try some amateur religious trauma therapy. Every subscriber becomes a part of something bigger than this podcast as we endeavor to hold churches accountable, speak the truth boldly, and most importantly, love others despite our pain. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep love in your life, hope in your heart, and searching in your soul. 